Won't you say it out loud? I'm a receiver. And I'm a doer of the Word of God. Won't you say it one more time? I'm a receiver. And I'm a doer. Again, I'm a receiver. And I'm a doer. Hallelujah. Why don't you turn to our scriptures that we've been looking at previously. How many of this is your first time to be with us in this series of meetings? Won't you lift your hand so I'll say, okay. All right. A lot of you are back too. We're, we sure appreciate that. And aren't you, don't you appreciate these ministers coming out and supporting the meeting? Everybody? Amen. So fine. We do appreciate you. Because there's all kind of things they could be doing. And I know they got all kind of responsibilities and work, but they've come apart to be with us. Amen. We appreciate that. Psalm 110 and Isaiah 1. Psalm 110 and Isaiah 1, if you'd please turn there. And I think we'll pick up tonight and continue on in some things that we begin Sunday morning. Are you happy tonight? Hallelujah. You know, sometimes people may wonder, ministers like myself, you know, I'll I'll turn to a scripture, but sometimes it might be 30 minutes before I read it or something. You you dance all around it and talk all about it. But uh, there's there's something going on there. You know, uh, it it matters all so much uh, what condition of mind and frame of heart and mind the hearer is in. And uh, you don't want to deliver something until folk are ready to hear it. And sometimes that's part of it. I actually had Brother Hagin say this one time years ago. I never forgot it. He, he compared, actually in Ecclesiastes, it says where the tree falls, that's where it lays. <laughs> you might think, well, that's obvious. Why is it in there? Well, you must not know or you, you wouldn't be thinking that way. Right, there's a, there's a reason, right? But when you cut a tree down, whether it falls to the south or to the north or the east or the west, wherever it falls, that's where it lays. And it lays in the direction it fell. And I heard Brother Hagin, I don't remember if it was in a service or if it was in a back room somewhere, speaker's room. Uh, he, he explained about how sometimes he does that. You know, he kind of, uh, he talks about a lot of other things before he actually got to it. He said, it's like felling a tree. A lumberjack knows that you don't just go out, especially a big tall tree, you don't just go out there with a saw and just cut. Because, I mean, spe- especially like in a residential area. <laughs> right? You won't, you, you don't want the tree to fall on the house or somebody's car or you, right? You want the tree to fall where you want it to fall. Well, if that's the case, then you got to cut it at the right place. Not only that, out in the, uh, the forest, I mean, a lot of times you have a lot of smaller trees around and under these big trees and you have to clear them out first. Because if you don't, if you just cut the tree, it'll fall a few feet and get hung up in the other trees and it won't fall. And so a lot of times what ministers do, and they're clearing out these other little trees. <laughs> and uh, getting it ready so that when we lay the big, fell the big tree, it falls and lays in your heart right where it's supposed to. And wherever it lays, that's where it stays. 
Have you found your scripture? Psalm 110. In Psalm 110, verse 1, the Lord said to my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Is it coming to pass? Yes. Verse 2, it'll all come to pass. Verse 2, the Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. In the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning you have the dew of your youth. Notice that phrase in verse 3 particularly. Your people, God's people, the people of God, will be what? Willing. Willing when? In the day of thy power. I believe this is prophetic. I believe it speaks uh, of a day yet to come of the manifestation of the power of God. But it also, like so many things, has application right here and now. And do you believe that there is a connection between God being able to manifest his power and his people being willing? Amen. You know, Jesus, at the man at the pool of Bethesda, he comes to him, and he's been in this case all these years with this terrible malady, but he looks at him, and he says, Wilt thou be made whole? Will you? That might seem like a foolish question, right? He didn't just say, uh, you know, uh, do you desire to be? He, taught, he included his will. Will you? Will you? And for so many years, the church has been told we're waiting on God's will. Hmm? Waiting on God's will. If, if, if God wills or when he wills. But could it be that in a lot of things, he's been waiting on people to get willing. And that he's been ready. And that when his people get willing or fully willing in an area, that then his power is manifest. Said out loud, your people people will be willing willing in the day of your power. power. Let's look again in Isaiah, the first chapter. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18. He said, come now, the Lord says, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet... They shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you be willing and obedient. If you be what? Willing and obedient. You shall eat the good of the land. Is this the word of the Lord? Is it true? Does it belong to you? Well, is it God's will for us to eat the good of the land? Or would he prefer, for different mysterious reasons, that we live in the war out and, and drive the second rate? Huh? And that, you know, our houses are in the worst place. And our cars are the worst. And we eat the leftovers. And we wear, out, we wear the war out. Huh? Is it? Now, you know, it's not a sin to be poor. It's just mighty inconvenient. (laughs) Don't feel bad. 
if you you know if you hadn't been doing too good financially don't and don't feel like that all those pressures on you to prosper yourself did you hear me yeah, that, that's part of the problem you got to get your eyes off yourself and, and, and get your eyes off your job did you hear me off your business yeah, now yeah God uh, you want to believe God to prosper you in your work prosper you in your job prosper you in your business your investments whatever but don't get your eyes on that and limit yourself to that right you know you say well I'm the breadwinner of the family I'm the provider. Are you now? The provider? That's mighty big shoes. Isn't it? No. And when you do that and you say, well, my, it's my job that keeps this family afloat. You know, and people say that. People that'll, that'll come lift up their hands in church and say, hallelujah, glory to God. And we're faith people. But get home and get mad over some little bill or something. And just spout unbelief like water. Hmm? What do you think? You think I'm made out of money? You think money grows on trees around here? I work hard. I go to work every day and I, I'm, you know, blood, sweat, and tears. And, and then you just do this and do that. You know, where do you think this is coming from? Well, where do you think it's coming from? You obviously think that, it, that you sweat it. That every dollar comes out of your pores. And as long as you believe that, you have capped, you have limited your family to your little job. And I don't care if you make good money. That ain't enough. Did you hear me? Tell me who your source is. God is your source. Amen. If you believe that, then it takes pressure off you. Amen. It takes pressure off of each other. You don't have to... Uh, beg your wife if you can buy a bass boat. She don't have to beg you if she can re- want to redecorate or want to buy some furniture. Well, you said I can just go out and do it. No, I'm saying you can bleed for it. <laughs> you said I can just go run up some debt. No, I didn't say that. I said you can believe for it. Amen. Just you, you look directly to God. And he can God, is he able, is he big enough? Does he have the resources and contacts that he could bring you money for that new furniture without you having to say a word to anybody? Huh? So we need to not just talk so much about believing God and actually do some of it. (laughs) Right? (laughs) How come me to get into all that? If you be willing and obedient... We ought to get excited about this verse. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. The good stuff. The good stuff. You know, the Lord's got us into uh, airplanes the last few years. What a blessing it is. And, but, oh man, it, it takes believing God to keep them up. I mean, when you pull up to the pump and say, top her off. <laughs> You need more than $20, friend. <laughs> Woo. They got little pieces on them things this big around. It costs $30,000. I mean, it's... Whew. So you want to believe God that yours don't break. <laughs> right? But you know, one of the biggest challenges... 
And you know, not everybody needs an airplane. I know that. But one of the, we, you know, what we do, you couldn't even do some things that we do without one now. I had the Lord tell me some years ago, actually in this state, I was in another place, and he said, he said, you think this is a luxury, it's going to be a necessity for what I've got planned for you. Tools. But what I'm getting to is that uh, one of the biggest challenges that I had to get in an airplane, I didn't have money to go buy a new truck when the Lord started putting this in my heart about an airplane. But the money is not the deal. We think it is. But it's not. Hmm? Let me give you an example. Canaan's land. It was the giants that kept them out, right? It was their lack of military power. Hmm? They thought it was. I said they thought it was. But it wasn't. What kept them out? Lack of faith. Lack of vision. They couldn't see them taking it. They could see them getting whooped and stomped. (laughs) Couldn't, right? We're like grasshoppers, they said. And so the challenge is, is not the money. We, people think it is. Well, it's the money. If we just had the money. No. If you had the faith, you'd get the money. If you have the vision, you can get the money. But, but one of the big things that we've got is centuries of mentality in the church that this, this nice stuff, this really expensive stuff is not for us. It's for somebody else. It's for the rich. I mean, a lot of folk, when they read scriptures about the rich in the Bible, they think it's talking about somebody else. Huh? I mean, the last time you read 1 Timothy, and he said, you know, charge them that are rich in this world not to be high-minded, did you stop and say, yeah, i got to watch it. <laughs> did you? Then that shows that you do not believe that you are the rich. Even though the scripture plainly says that Jesus in the redemptive work became poor. He took our poverty. Amen. That we might be made rich. Did he do it? Then we are. You're just as rich as you are healed. Amen. He took our infirmities. He bore our sicknesses. He carried our pain so that we are now healed. No matter what you look like or feel like. It's a redemptive fact. Amen? Amen. And you're just as rich as you are healed. But the big thing is, you know, I I could, you know, I'd go out to the airport sometimes and I'd I'd look at those things sitting on the ramp. And and I could see uh, Time Warner flying one of them. And I could see, you know, even the Seagram's Whiskey Company flying. They had a big Gulf Stream. I could see them. Well, yeah, you know, they make a lot of money. But I couldn't see me with one, not even a little one. <laughs> and as long as I couldn't see it, I couldn't have it. Did you hear me? If you can see you with it, then it can come to pass. If you can see you in it. Amen. God starts dealing with you about some things. You need to get the vision in front of you and keep it in front of your eyes. Amen. You got to work on yourself. I mean, it took us a little while. I mean, I'd work on it, getting that airplane inside me, and I'd try to get it in my heart, and this wing wouldn't fit, and, and I'd, I'd stretch and pull and meditate, but the tail was too high; it wouldn't go in there. 
And I'd, I'd look in there, but somebody else was in there, you know, even other ministers. I could see Brother Copeland flying around in there. And I looked in the back, but Phyllis wasn't in there. It was Miss Gloria. And, and uh, I looked up in the front, it was Brother Kenneth. And, and as long as I was there, I couldn't have one. But eventually, I stayed after it. We sowed. I talked about it. We talked about it among ourselves. We're going to do it. We're going to have it. We're going to be in there month after month, year after year. Then one day, I'm talking about in my heart. I looked in the cockpit, and there I was, sitting in the seat. Yeah. Yeah, pushing the throttles back and forth. Yeah, fast, slow, fast, slow. <laughs> I could see it. Look back in the back, and there was Phyllis drinking a Perrier. Hey! Yeah, you want to go fast? Fast. Woo, fast. <laughs> If you can see you with it, you can have it. But now, I said all that to say this. This is in conjunction with you doing the will of God. Hmm? I don't need an airplane to fly around and play big shot. need an airplane to fly around and preach the gospel. Amen. And God is not obligated... To prosper just anything that you and I might decide to do. That's where people get into trouble. As they come up with this idea. And they come up with this plan. And they try to do it. But it's if you're willing and what? Obedient. Obedient, You you, you find out his plan. And you're willing to do that plan. And you have the faith to step out to obey to do it. In that case. You can be free to claim the very best. Did you hear me? The very best of what is available to in tools and resources, equipment, opportunities to do that will of God for you. Can you say amen? amen. Do, you, do you see how important that is? If you be willing and obedient in the plan and will of God, then you will do what? What will happen for you? Tell me again. You'll eat the good of the land. If you're where God wants you to be, doing what he told you to do, and you're fully willing and fully obedient, you will, God said, eat the good of the land. You'll enjoy the best to do that with. I want you to turn with me back to scripture we looked at last night in uh, 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, excuse me, it's 2 Corinthians. The 8th chapter is where I want you to go. 2 Corinthians 8. That's where meditation comes in as you're working on getting that thing in your spirit that's necessary to do the will of God. And it helps to have people of like faith. Amen. In the ministry, you know, over the period of years, uh, you know, we've developed uh, associations, relationships, and I have... Airplane buddies, building buddies. You know what I mean by that? People who've believed beyond where I am. And they got faith in this area. And I like hanging around that. Because they talk about stuff that I think's big like it's yesterday's news. (laughs) They can see it happening. And I'm working on me to get me to see it happening. And let me encourage you, when it comes to these areas, don't, you know, uh, the Bible says evil communications uh, corrupt good manners. 
He that walks with wise men will be what? Wise. But a companion of fools will be destroyed. I mean, does it make any difference who and what you hang around? It does. And, and, and sad to say, but there's a lot of people and maybe even some of your kinfolks and friends that just don't have any faith in some of these areas. And if you bring it up to them, which could be your first mistake, they just shoot, shoot holes in it, right? Well, what do you need that for? Well, you know, we've had people tell us, well, your ministry is not big enough to do that. We've had people, I mean, I've had people tell me that 20 years ago. You can't do that. You're going to do your own recording project? You're going, to, you're going to do the whole deal yourself? And I said, yeah. He said, mm. <laughs> we did it. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. You're not big enough to maintain a jet. This is our fifth year. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. It's sitting in the hangar paid for. Yeah. Glory to God. Yeah. You can't do that. People tell you, you don't make enough money to do that. You don't have the education to do that. You don't. Listen, listen. Tune them out. Change the subject. They're not a faith buddy in that area. <laughs> right? You're not going to get anywhere talking to them. And you know, make up your mind that you are going to be an encourager of the brethren. I tell you, so some of the things that have smitten my heart the most over the period of my ministry is any time I felt like that I, I hindered somebody's faith or vision a little bit. Don't ever shoot down anybody's vision. If, I, if they're out beyond where you are, so be it. Amen. Go for it. Believe God. You've got so many naysayers around nowadays. Some people that's, you know, supposedly mean well, but when you, find, when you analyze it, they're talking you out of your vision. Telling you reasons why it ain't going to work for you, why you can't have it. All things are possible to him or her that believes. Does that mean what it says? Then can you wrap where you are? Claim something, amen? To do the will of God, though it may look big, though it may seem huge. Is it possible that God could do it for you? It's possible. Said out loud, all things, all things are possible to me, possible to me. When, I believe. when I believe. In 2 Corinthians, if you're there again, please, in the 8th chapter, we read this, but I want to touch on a couple of things, uh, reiterate and then go on. We've been talking in these sessions about willingness and about the willing heart. And about what a huge factor it is in the things of God. As I get into this, I see it's even more important than I thought it was. I knew it was important, but even more so. And how that it determines the, whether something is acceptable, and it determines whether something is blessable in God's eyes. We'll see this. In 2 Corinthians 8, verse 3, talking about these saints uh, at Macedonia. How that he said to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves. Everybody say willing. willing. They, they wanted to do, they wanted to give beyond what they had. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't do that, but it, it pleases God that you want to. Amen. Now let me camp on this a little bit. 
The things start in the heart. They don't start in the pocketbook. They don't start in the driveway. They don't start on the lot. They start where? In your heart. They happen first inside. Then they happen outside. God is a spirit. Right? What is he, what is he most aware of about you? Your spirit. Then your, your inner man. And your heart, we could say. And like he said in 1 Samuel 16, he says, uh, man... God doesn't see like man sees. Man sees the outward appearance. But the Lord sees what? The heart. Let me read this to you in, what was it? The, uh, the living. Yeah, he said, uh, the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by man's face or height. This is not the one. I don't make decisions the way you do. Men judge by outward appearance, but I look at a man's thoughts and intentions. Does God look at our intentions? He doesn't just look at what we did or didn't do. He looks at our heart. And there are, this is so powerful. This is what I want to get into tonight. This is so powerful that with God, many times having it in your heart is equal to doing it with him. Now think about that. Isn't that what happened with Abraham and Isaac? Isn't it? God told Abraham, take your son, your only son, up on the mountaintop. I'm going to show you where, and you offer him up as a sacrifice to me. Abraham didn't know that the angel was going to stop him, did he? No. He went up there and laid that boy down, pulled out that knife, He's ready to cut his throat. He's ready to offer him up just like a bull or a sheep. His only boy. And he reached up the knife to do it. And the angel of the Lord called to him. Stopped him. And from then on. You read in in, in the book of Hebrews. You read in the book of James. It says he offered up. Isaac. (laughs) Amen. And God saw his heart, and as far as he was concerned, he did it. Amen. On a negative note, remember Jesus said, if a man looks on a woman, right? To lust after in his heart, in his heart he has what? He committed adultery. In his heart. I mean, you know, so many times people put so much emphasis on the external. But what's God looking at? He's looking at your heart. This is so powerful, I said. Oh my, I'm seeing some things. (laughs) My, my, I never thought about this. The Lord just said to me, he said, people are going to be rewarded in heaven for things that they did only in their heart. They never got the chance to do it. But that was the only reason they didn't do it. It's because they were unable to physically. But in their heart they did it. So I will reward them as though they did it physically. Wow, I never even thought of that. But you can see it in the scriptures, can't you? I mean, Abraham, he didn't do it. 
But he did it in his heart. And with God, that was substantial enough that covenant was based on it. Did you hear me? You, I mean, it doesn't get any more legal and binding than this now. God, based on Abraham doing this in his heart, he had the legal right to give his only son in the earth for us. Now, it's not that he almost did it. I mean, we're talking about some of the most legal and binding things in the plan of God. And yet he did not physically do it, but yet he did it in his heart. If you do it in your heart, you do it. Amen. And this is so much so that you can even do something outwardly, but if you didn't do it in your heart, you didn't do it. Hmm? Some folk have just emphasized, you know, do it. That's the main thing, just do it. It is not the main thing. Well, I know you don't want to, but just go on and do it. Go on and be obedient. No, don't just go on and be obedient. Be willing and obedient and qualify and eat the good of the land. Then your service will be acceptable. Then your work will be blessable. Can you say amen? amen? Glory to God. Well, I'm glad I came just for that. If nothing, <laughs> nothing else right there. I hadn't thought of that. The eighth chapter, the third verse. To their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were what? Willing. Willing. I want that to be singing in your spirit all night and all day tomorrow and the next day. Willing. 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 They didn't have the money to, to, to give the amounts they wanted to, but they were willing to. They wanted to. They were willing to give beyond what they had. They were, instead of fussing about, do we have to give in this offering? They were saying, man, I wish I could give a thousand on that. Man, I wish I could give ten thousand on that. I wish I could just write a check and do the whole deal. Hmm? Looking back now. Like I said, you know, last night, I, I grew up poor. Phyllis did too. And, and we haven't arrived by any stretch. But thank God we're in better shape than we were a few years ago. But I can see where it started. I'm thinking right now uh, of, of a, a day and me stretched across the bed crying. Broke. <laughs> so broke it wasn't funny. How many know it, it quits being funny after a while? <laughs> right? <laughs> You can laugh and make jokes, but after a while, I mean, whoo, you're behind. You're hurting. It was all you could do to keep up. Now, not only do you have to maintain, you've got to catch up what you're behind on. And uh, I, I was, it, that bothered me, but that wasn't the worst thing that bothered me. I had just been to some meetings where the, some people were doing some legitimately good and right things for God. And oh, I wanted to at least give a couple of hundred dollars on that. And I just didn't have it. Just didn't have anything. Man, that bothered me. That irked me that got next to me. And in my heart, I wanted to do it so bad. I wanted to give. And all the people that had poured into me, you know, Brother Hagen and, and the Hagen ministry and Raymond 
and, and Brother Copeland and different ones that had poured into me so much. I wanted to send them some offerings. I wanted to, to help them and do something for them. And I can see that where my turnaround happened was in my heart when I began to hunger and desire not just to get a new car, but I wanted to give. Willing. Amen. Hungry for it. Wanted it. And I can begin to see, Phyllis, do you agree? I mean, from that day, things begin to change for us. We begin to come up, 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 up. Didn't happen overnight or all in six months, but just keep coming up. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Till now you can give in one offering what it used to take you all year to get. Glory. That's fun. I said, that's fun. But, but the money and the amount is not the big deal with God. What is the deal with him? What, what, what is he looking at? What is he watching so closely? Your heart. Your heart. They were willing to do beyond where they were. Now skip on down. Verse 11. Well, verse 10 goes with it. Verse 10, he says, Herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you, who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward, or the margin says, to be willing. To be willing a year ago. He said, now you, you were willing, I want you to go on and do it now. Verse 11, For therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance. Also out of that which you have. I mean, that's Isaiah 1, isn't it? Willing and obedient. That's the whole thing. Verse 12. Here's what I want you to get. For if there be first. Everybody say first. first. If there be first. A what? Didn't say if there be first a big gift. A big action. If there be first a willing mind. It is accepted. You ought to circle that word maybe. Or, or make a note, whatever you take your notes. If there's first a willing mind, it's what? What if there's not first a willingness? Would, could you assume or presume it was accepted anyway? So I've been telling you for some time now about that the, the willingness makes a thing acceptable. It also makes it blessable. The lack of it renders it unacceptable. You know, I, I, I feel that a lot of folk in the ministry need to take a stronger stance on this. We ought not accept all offerings. Did you hear me? I have. I, I have sent offerings back. I don't mean once or twice. I mean a number of times. Phyllis and I have sent things back. That people gave us. I've had people. Uh, yeah, I remember years ago in healing school. A, a man came. And uh, he was new to all of this. He didn't know about healing. He didn't know about the things of God. And he came to me. And tried to give me a big offering. First day he was there. It wasn't right. He was trying to buy healing. Did you hear me? He didn't say that. And I needed the money. <laughs> It's interesting how these things happen sometimes. I needed it, oh man. And it's easy to try to do mental gymnastics and, and, and say, well, you know, well, the Lord's blessing me. I'm believing God, you know, and, and here, no, no, here's a test. 
or you're going to flunk it. Hmm? You go through the drive through and give them a 20 and they give you a 20 and some change back. You do not drive around the corner and go, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The Lord's blessing me. It's meeting my needs. <laughs> no, that was the test. And you just flunked it. <laughs> it's going to cost you and you're going to come back around and take it again. And you'll keep taking it till you pass it before you promote it. God doesn't have social promotion. If you flunk the first grade for 12 years, then you stay in the first grade for 12 years with God. Doesn't find that out, study and see, it's true. You keep taking the same test till you pass them. But uh, I told him, no, sir, you know, I, I, I can't accept this like this right now. Please don't. Just, just come. This is free. Just come and, and, and healing is free. And the blessing of God. Well, it wasn't just a few days. An offering came from somewhere else. Amen. My needs were met. But there's been numerous times when you just knew in your heart, no, this is not, this is not right. You just know. And at that point, don't be moved by your need or by your desire. This is, this is a time for integrity. Amen? That we represent the Lord. Right? And when we, you know, we need to realize as ministers that uh, I had the Lord say to me uh, a couple, on a couple of situations, two sides of this thing. There were some people one time that, that weren't, you know, wanting to do some things probably that they should have done. I tried to let them off the hook on it. I said, well, it's okay. You don't have to do it. And they left. I said, okay, you know, we won't do it. And the, as they rounded the corner, the Lord said, just because you said it's all right doesn't mean I said it's okay. Amen. And uh, the same thing is true with receiving offerings. You know, when we say we receive it, a lot of times we're indicating that the Lord receives it. Well, he does not receive all offerings. And this is based on the heart of the giver. The heart of the giver determines the acceptability of the gift. Are you with me now? I know this might not make you just run and jump the pew right now, but it's, it's, it's good. It'll help you later. Some things you don't shout on at the moment, but if you practice them, you get results and you do a lot of shouting later. Amen. Verse 12, if there be first a willing mind, it's what? It's accepted. According to that a man has, not according to what he has not. Let me read this to you from uh, another translation. Yeah, the NIV. He says, for if the willingness is there, the gift is is acceptable. If the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable. Go with me right over a couple of pages to Philemon, just one chapter in Philemon. Y'all having fun yet? You know, we need all kinds of services, don't we? All kinds. Philemon, anybody know where Philemon is? It's in the New Testament. It's right after Titus. It's right before Hebrew. Go to Hebrews. Back up. You'll be there. Philemon. Paul is writing 
to a brother of his in the Lord, a supporter of his ministry, somebody that came up under him, Philemon. And he's talking to him about a man named Onesimus. There's a play on this man's name. His name means useful. And he said, verse 11, in time past to you was unprofitable or useless. He used to be useless, but he got saved <laughs> while he's with me here in jail, so now he is useful. That's a whole message, ain't it, preachers? I mean, God can take the useless. Because there, there's some folk, you know, their lives have been useless the way they've lived and done. But no matter how useless you've been, he can make you profitable, useful. And he said, uh, uh, I sent him to you. And he, he said, I, he's, he's asking Philemon for a couple of things. He said, I want you to receive this boy. I know, you know, I, and of course, you know, who knows what Onesimus did before he left. He, he might have took the uh, cookie jar money. And uh, I don't know, he might have had a drug habit. I don't know what his problem was, but he might have messed up real bad and left a bad taste with his brother. But he said, you know, he's saved now. I want you to take him back. And he, he mentions another couple of things he wanted him to do for him, if he would. But look at verse 14. He said, but without your mind would I do nothing. That your benefit should not be. As it were of necessity. But what? I mean here's a great man of God. Here's an apostle of the faith. A, a church builder. A, a bishop and apostle over other pastors. And this man. You know I mean he could say. That he, he, he should feel like he owes a lot to, to Paul. I mean he came up under his ministry and everything else. But he says you know. I, I'm not just sending him to you. And saying you got to do this. Well we'll back up and you'll see. He, he uses even more language. Along this way. Verse 8. He says I thought I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin you. That which is convenient. In other words. You know I, I could charge you about this. Because this is just the right thing for you to do. But for love's sake. I rather beseech you. I'm asking. Beseech is akin to the word Beg. I'm asking you, being such a one as Paul the aged and now also the prisoner of Jesus Christ. And in verse 14, he said, without your mind, I would do nothing because I don't want you to do this because you feel like you have to. But I want you to do it how? Willingly. Willingly. Is this the Holy Ghost talking? Yes. Is this the heart of God? Yes. I think in a lot of situations, we haven't put enough emphasis on this. You know? It doesn't make any difference what your position is. You know, you don't, there's nobody in the church, uh, men and women in the church, that high, have a higher position than Paul did in the church in his day. Right? Who has a right to just roll in and demand and require and not care whether people really want to do it from their heart or not? That's not God. That's not the Holy Even if people should do it. Even if they ought to do it, even if it's just right for them to do it, still, if they don't want to do it, God cares. And it's unacceptable if they're not willing. Go with me, please, to the book of Malachi. Malachi. We just got through reading, if the willingness is there, 
The gift is acceptable. If the willingness is there. I know I'm beating on this and, 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 and driving it home, but I, I feel like I should. I'm just going to stay with it. Is that okay? I want to make it hard for you to forget. I've got a lot of other good things. Maybe we'll get to, you know, uh, tomorrow night or the next, some things, some benefits of willingness. A lot of good things maybe we'll talk about. But, uh, I, you know, it's necessary to see how significant this is. To see that, I mean, you can pray, but if you don't want to pray, it's not acceptable. You can give, but if you didn't want to give, it's not acceptable. You can work and do a lot of things. How many understand that in that day, the fire is going to try everything? And that to some things are going to be wood, hay, and stubble. But when it passes through the fire, it's going to be gone. And the person that did it, they're not going to receive any reward. They will be saved, but they won't get reward for all that stuff they did. There's a lot of stuff that's just done in the flesh and in the effort of flesh. And some of it's a great big hoopla and a great big pile of stuff. But when the fire hits it, uh, the motives are going to be revealed. It'll be shown that people were just trying to put their self forward and have a name for their self. And people were just playing social and political games and everything else. How many know God knows the motive of the heart? Amen. Amen. And the only thing that's going to be the silver and the gold and the precious jewels will be those things that were done from a true heart. Amen? Because you wanted to obey God. You wanted to please God. If you made a mistake or came up short, it wasn't because you weren't trying. You wanted to. And in that case, God sees it and he rewards you. Now, this is wonderful. He rewards you not according to what you were able or unable to do, but according to your heart. Does that excite you at all? I mean, that, that is really does something to me. I hadn't seen that as clearly as I'm seeing it tonight. Glory to God. <laughs> oh, mama. Man, that makes you want to want to. <laughs> that makes you want to want to want to a lot more. Bigger and better. Want to. Willing to. In Malachi, the first chapter, are you there? Malachi, the first chapter, I want you to notice something here. In Malachi 1, let's look at verse 6. A son honors his father, the Lord is speaking, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where's my honor? If I be a master, where's my fear? Says the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests, that despise my name. And you say, wherein have we despised your name? Now, I did a study on that some years ago, that word despise. I was studying the word honor, and it led me to this word, despise. And I, I come to, to realize that we use the word actually a lot weaker and differently in our modern vernacular than... Um, then they used it, and it's used in the scripture. To, when we think despise, we think detest, you know, abhor. But in the scripture, to despise something can mean simply to ignore it. To ignore a thing. 
and, and according to the word, is despise, or to treat it like it's unimportant. To treat it like it's trivial and insignificant. A, a, a perfect example, New Testament example of this, the Bible said that Esau despised his birthright. That didn't mean when it came up that he cussed it and, and you know, railed about it. What did he do? When it came up, he said, what good is this thing going to do me? Right? Give me the soup. Right? And the Bible said he despised. Why? Because he did not see what a precious thing it was and he didn't treat it like that. And this is directly tied in to a willingness in your heart. Why don't people want to tithe? Why don't they want to give? Why don't they want to volunteer to help the church? Why don't they want to get in there and pray and, and believe God and work? Because they don't see the value of it. They don't see the significance of it. They don't see the weight of it. Why don't people want to go to church? Why don't, why don't they think it's important enough to, 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 to push those legs out of bed in the morning and get here? Huh? Because I think, well, you know, it's just a service. I mean, what's the big deal? That is despising the things of God. And, and you'll not receive. You have to treasure something. Take heed what you hear, the scripture said. He's talking about with what measure of reverence and what degree of honor and faith you give something. That determines the degree you receive out of it. Amen. I know uh, we got started in the word of faith. Oh, what, 25 plus years ago, I guess. Through Brother Kenneth Copeland's tapes and, and ministry. Through him, we found out about Brother Hagin a few years later. And uh, the, those tapes that I listened to Brother Kenneth's changed my life. I mean, you know, I was working a secular job, and we had a little 1969 Marriott mobile home. And a, <laughs> it was pretty sad. <laughs> had a black, genuine imitation leather sofas. <laughs> And red curtains and carpet, and it was special. <laughs> and um, Phyllis didn't enjoy it too much, but the Lord's blessed her since then. And um, I, I got, you know, I, I was saved as a teenager, actually 12 years old, and, but had not grown in all those years. You know, in spiritual things, just because you've been saved, you've been born again X amount of time doesn't mean you automatically grow. You only grow if you're fed and if you exercise. It's only then that you develop. Well, this began to feed my spirit. I didn't even know what was going on in me, but I got so excited. I'd come in from work every day and I'd sit down on our uh, genuine imitation leather sofa and uh, with our little tape player about this big and I'd get my Bible and I'd listen to Brother Copeland and, and take notes and I didn't know it but it was feeding my spirit for the first time in decades. I was getting fed. I was beginning to grow. And looking back now I can see that the Lord was doing that so that my faith would grow to the point where I could say yes to the call of the ministry. That I'd have enough faith to go to Ramah, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, looking back now, hearing those things, those wonderful messages, and then, you know, eventually from, from him and Brother Surveil and Brother Caps and Brother Hagen and different ones, totally 
has changed my life. Not because it was those men, but because it was the Word of God. Lives and abides forever and changes us, feeds us. But you know, during that time, I got so excited about some of these things, and Phyllis did, and some of my close friends, I'd take them a couple of these tapes. And I'd say, glory to God, you've got to listen to this man. Well, in my part of the country, nobody listened to tapes. It was a foreign thing. You know, they thought, you know, enduring it at the church for 30 minutes was enough. You actually take a tape of preaching and teaching home with you and listen to it on Tuesday night? They looked at you like, what's wrong with you? But I said, here, man, you ought to hear this. This is, you know, we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Galatians 3.13, you've got to hear this. And they're like, what is it? Is it music? I said, no, it's not music. What is it, like poetry or something? I said, no, it's, so, it's a preacher teaching out of the Bible. They look at you like, why would you listen to that? I said, you know, you ought to listen to it. Some of them did just to humor me. But you'd see them the next day. Did you listen to that tape? Yeah, yeah. What do you think? Man, that was, isn't that great? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, fine. <laughs> and you're thinking, huh? No, man, we're redeemed from the curse of the law. And they're like, yeah, whatever that means. I mean, okay, calm down. And now, you know, even 10 years after that and 20 years after that, I look back and, and a few folk got a hold of some things and grew. But a lot of the people that heard some of these things the first time I did, that, that I was around, they're still spiritually where they were 20 years ago. And yet it's totally changed our life. We're, we're not the same people. We don't live the same life at all remotely yeah, that's right. to what we used to. Not because of us, it's because of the Word. Yeah. And yet, I was thinking about that one. I said, Lord, if we don't, what's, what's the difference? He said, you esteemed it. Yeah. They did not. Yeah. You might say they despised it. And yet they wouldn't have thought so. They wouldn't have said, well, they didn't, you know cast dispersions against it but, but what they did is they said you know what is this somebody preaching on a tape right but it's the people that esteem and value it those are the ones that are willing amen there's a reason why you, some people see more miracles and more signs and wonders than others do I mean you go to some places in the world and people will get up and they'll walk for three days They'll walk for, th walk for three days in terrible conditions and stand out in the beating sun all day long to get to hear it be in the service. Is it any wonder <laughs> that God works miracles in their midst? And you got some folks in, you know, in, the, in the church in the States, they won't drive across the street. <laughs> right? Despising. Keep reading. Verse 6. O priest that despise my name. And you say, wherein have we despised your name? He said, you offer polluted bread on my altar. And you say, wherein have we polluted you? In that you say the table of the Lord is contemptible. 
Now, that is, that reveals unwillingness right there. You'll see it clearer. But the Talmud didn't want to fool with it. He said, if you offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? If you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? They were bringing their junk, their refuse, their rejects to give to the Lord. He said, why don't you give it to your governor? See if he likes it. (laughs) Will he be pleased with you? Or will he accept your person, says the Lord of hosts? Now I pray you, beseech God, he'll be gracious to us, they say. This has been by your means. Will he regard your person, says the Lord of hosts? Who is there even among you that would shut the doors? For not, neither do you kindle fire on my altar for nothing. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts. Neither will I what? I won't accept an offering at your hand. Let's skip on down to verse 13. You said also, behold, what a weariness is it. Can you see the unwillingness here? What a weariness it is. How many understand you'd be better off cussing? That's right. Than saying that it's a weariness, it's a pain, it's a problem to have to go serve the Lord. And yet you know that there's a lot of people that say, I'm tired of this all the time. I'm tired of the pastor always talking about building program. I'm tired of, you know, they always talk about the missionaries need this. They always talk about you need to pray, you need to pray. Tired of that. Get in the word, get in the word. Get in the word. Tired of hearing about This is serious stuff. To say it is a weariness. You know, they coined a phrase in the Old Testament with the prophets. They said, what's the burden of the Lord today? And he rebuked them severely because they weren't esteeming the word of God. They're talking about about the message that the prophets were bringing. And it was a harsh judgment message because the people were so backslid. But God was being kind and merciful to them. If he wanted them to be destroyed, all he had to do is nothing. Just say nothing, do nothing. They were headed right down the path. But it's the mercy of God that rebukes you. Isn't it? It's the mercy of God that calls you on it and says, hey, 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 hey. What are you doing? Right, why? Not because he wants you destroyed, because he wants you to repent. Quit. Get it straightened up so he can bless you. So he can protect you. So even if we get a good spanking, we ought to say, thank you, Lord. (laughs) Thank you. I needed that. Right? (laughs) You know, I used to, uh, before I got in the ministry, I was going to be a fighter. Yeah. That was my aspiration. I wanted to be a full contact karate guy. And I was pursuing it with everything that was in me. And, and my dad, you know, I used to get, I, I, when I was a little kid, elementary school, I come home every other day beat up. <laughs> Nose busted, lip fat. After a while, my daddy said, boy, we got to do something with you. So he took me and put me in a karate school. And it was one of these old uh, school outfits. 
the guy that, that was the instructor uh, was brought up under uh, Funakoshi's grandson from Japan. We practiced on concrete floors with no pads. It was old school, man. You know, it was, looking back now, it was pretty rough, but I didn't realize it at the time how rough it was. You're just a kid. You don't know. And, uh, man, we had to stand at attention. And uh, if somebody slouched or something, the, the, the instructor would come by when you weren't looking and he'd give you a good one, man. I mean, he'd pop you. And uh, if you're, you know, we were supposed to sit, you know, with your, your legs crossed and your hands on your, on your thighs. And if you're, if you, and they'd put you close to the wall. And after an hour or two, you really want to lean up against that wall real bad, you know. But if you lean up against that wall, next thing you know, pop. <laughs> you know, and then the correct response was, thank you, sir. That was the correct response. <laughs> You'd be in a stance doing a punch or a kick and your instructor would come by and he'd say, bend that leg, push that straight. Thank you, sir. And if he told you about three times, the next thing you would feel was your back hitting the floor. <laughs> he'd come by and sweep your leg out from him and boom, slap you against that concrete floor. That's when you're supposed to say, thank you, sir. <laughs> Because they were helping you realize bad form versus good form. <laughs> Somebody said, that's too harsh. I don't like that. You probably need some of it. <laughs> it was good for me. It helped me tremendously. I thank God for it. I do. But with the Lord, even if it's correction, even if it's, you know, uh, reproof, rebuke, what should we say? Thank you, sir. Why? That, that's not just a nice thing to do. It shows we esteem what he said to us. We appreciate what he said to us. Amen. He is the Almighty, the creator of heavens and earth. I am one human being among millions and billions for him to take the time with me and love me personally and individually and spend that kind of quality input into me. Amen. Even if it's rebuke and reproof, it's love of God. And I should be thankful, and I should be grateful, and I should receive it willingly. Everybody say willingly. Willingly. Does it make a difference? How you do a thing. Keep reading here. Verse 13, you have said also, behold, what a weariness is it. And you have snuffed at it, says the Lord of hosts. You know, it makes a difference how people talk about something, the terminology they use, and their facial expression, and their response. You know, I've had Rhema grads uh, come to me before and say, you know, how's the old man? They're talking about Dr. Hagen. How's the old man? Well, is that a problem? Yeah, it's a problem. Isn't it? And, and people think, they've got this twisted idea that, you know, well, hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm dispensing with all this religious hype and tradition stuff. Uh, I know God, and He knows me, and we're buds. Me and my buddy God. You're not showing enough respect. Hmm? You know, people who have known Him, God, to some degrees over the years, even though you think you know him, 
you get in a lot of his manifest presence, all you know to do is to stick your nose in the carpet. God said to Moses and the people out in the wilderness, he said, I'm going to come visit you. So clean up your clothes, get ready, I'm going to come see you. And they all said, yeah, glory, God's coming. (laughs) Whoo, he's coming. God's going to come see us. They were so happy. But early that morning, fire come down out of the sky and consumed a whole mountain. You ever seen a whole mountain on fire? The blaze disappearing up into the heavens. And the sound of the trumpet of God and God's voice coming out of the mountain. It was so fearful that the people said, we, we can't hear it again. We're scared we'll die. You, you go talk to him. <laughs> Even the psalmist David, who, who was close to God and knew God so well, he said, my flesh trembleth for fear of thee. People have a, a I don't know, a light, trite idea of God sometimes and they, they, they try to measure him by themselves. They think he's as trivial as they are. But our God is an awesome God. He's a mighty God. He's a holy God. He's pure. He, he's amazing. He has to restrain himself to keep from scaring a spitless. He does. I mean, he does. One of these days we'll have a body that'll keep up with it. But I'd like to see just how much we could take right now, wouldn't you? (laughs) I sure would. I'd like to see. So that we could have to call out from our nose in the carpet, go, okay, okay, okay. That's enough for right now. (laughs) Now, I'm laughing when I'm saying that, but are you hungry for things like this? Do you want to sense the presence of God so mightily, so powerfully that it is undeniable? You know he's here. You know he's strong. You know he's manifested. Well, it doesn't just come indiscriminately. It comes to those who want it, who are hungry for it, and who are willing to receive him, willing to yield to him. And accompanied with that, one thing that goes with this willingness is this respect, that you're not despising, diminishing, making light of the things of God, but when God gives you something, you hold it up, you treasure it. Amen. You polish it. You put it in a special box. You know what I mean by that? The revelation that he gives you. The opportunities that he gives you. The anointing. Even though your anointing might not seem as big or as strong as somebody else's. It's precious. It's what he gave you. Amen. And the revelation that he gave you. It might not seem as big as what somebody else has. But it's precious. Treat it like it's precious. Care for it. Amen. Hold it up before him and thank him for it. Esteem it, value it, treasure it. And you'll see it grow. You'll see it increase. Can you say amen? Amen. Let's finish reading this. He said, you have snuffed at it. Everybody say, no snuffing. No, No, we're not going to do that. We're not going to turn our nose up. The Lord says, I want you to go over there, Keith, and preach. Should I say, again, Lord, I just got home. Hmm? Is this okay? I need to camp on this a little while. I've talked with people in our circles that they they really don't see anything wrong with belly aching about the ministry. You know, well, I just, uh, oh, man, we got to do this and we got to do that. And and, I just, working for the Lord is something that's hard. It's 
Well, Jesus said, my yoke is easy. And my burden is, everybody say light and easy. See, if it's not that, it's not him. But, but you and I need to stir ourselves up. You, all of us got flesh. And you get tired and you can get weary. But this weariness stuff is important. You have said, what a weariness it is. You've said, well, man, I, I go all the time. Lord, I did all this last year. And da, 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 da. You, you are judging yourself unworthy of what he's called you to do when you talk like that. I've had people say, well, you know, I'm just going to quit. My people don't appreciate me. Who said they had to? <laughs> the Lord never told me, go to the churches, but if they don't appreciate you, don't ever go back. <laughs> sometimes he'll send, he'll send you to people that don't like you sometimes. Well, that makes you wonder. You think, God, what you send me here for? They don't even like me. It's a miracle they asked me to come. I had a guy follow me down the hall years ago after I'd preached the message. He said, I don't like you. I don't like what you preached. I don't like what you said. I told him, you don't know me. If you knew me, you'd like me. <laughs> so I said, boy, that's egotistic. That's better than getting upset and losing your joy. A lot better. A lot more fun. But it is a privilege to come to church. Hmm? We're not going to talk about what a weariness it is. It's a privilege to pray. Privilege to read our Bible. Privilege to study. Amen? Privilege to preach and teach. That's a little weak. Preachers, I said it's a privilege <laughs> to preach and teach. Privilege to feed God's people. Lead the flock and feed the flock. Look out, it's a for the flock. It's a privilege. It's an honor. Amen. And no matter how weary our flesh may feel, we need to stir up ourselves and say, it's not a weariness. It's an honor. Amen. And the grace of God is here for it. And when you treat it that way, you'll find the quality of what comes through you will come up immediately. The quality of, and the depth of revelation and the quality and the, the degree of anointing will immediately come up because now you're not despising, but you're honoring God. And what did he say? Them that honor me, them that honor me, I will honor. He said, you've said you've snuffed at it and you brought what was torn and what was lame and what was sick. Thus you brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hand, says the Lord? In verse 10, he said he would not accept it. So can you see it clearly? I've said it a number of times, but do you agree? Do you see it in the word that willingness, like 2 Corinthians 8 says, if there's first the willingness, it makes it acceptable, right? Go with me in, to, in closing, I think, to 1 Peter. <laughs> Paul said, finally, my brethren, halfway through the book of Philippians. <laughs> 1 Peter 5. He did. Go see. First Peter 5. <laughs> I don't think I'll keep you much longer. 
Do you believe? Are we on the same page now? Because I don't think I'll take this much time tomorrow night on all this. That the willingness of the heart makes the gift or the service or the work either acceptable or unacceptable. It also makes it blessable or unblessable as far as the Lord is concerned. In 1 Peter, the fifth chapter, verse 1. Peter says, by the Spirit of God, or the Holy Ghost through Peter says, The elders which are among you I exhort, which am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God. He's talking to ministers here. Feed the flock of God which is among you, and take the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but what? But willingly. Not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Ready mind. Willing. Ready and willing. Verse 3, neither is being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples or examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fades not away. We're in the best business in the world, friend. I said, whether you're just a believer, a lay witness, or a preacher, or an associate, we're in the best business. Best business in the world. We're so privileged. Amen. To be saved. And to be called. All of us are called. Not everybody's called to stand behind the pulpit, but everybody's called to be a witness and to do a work for the Lord. In the church, and in the body, and in the world. Amen. But can you see, it's not just a passing thought. Can you see how many times these words keep coming up and this thought keeps coming up? Don't take it under constraint. Don't take it because you feel like you have to, grudgingly, or feel like it's out of necessity. I mean, God's huge on this. Do it how? Willingly. Willingly. With a ready mind. Amen. I told last night of a story about, you know, a minister that he had people in his church and, and, and he called on them to sing and they'd sit back there and go, well, I, you remember them? And, and he said, ah, you know, I wasn't prepared, Pastor. I, I didn't come ready. And he, he went to all, you know, I grew up in a church like that. Anybody besides me, you had a situation like that? And they said, Sister so-and-so, would you sing? And she said, well, I didn't bring my music today. <laughs> Brother so-and-so, would you come up and, you know, sing us that special. Lead, lead the singing for us. Well, brother, my throat's a little scratchy this morning. I, I just don't think I'm ready. I don't think I'm, I'm prepared. <laughs> this is not even remotely okay. Is it? No. And, you know, not even that, but sometimes people think, well, you know, people say, well, okay, all right. <laughs> For you. <laughs> I'll do it. What should you tell them? Sit back down. <laughs> Is the Lord like this? I'm saying if you don't want to do it, would he just soon you not do it? Tell you to sit down. Somebody might say, well, well, okay, then if I'm not willing, then I just ought not do it. No, you ought to get willing. I said, you ought to get willing, which you can. And it doesn't have to take you a long time. 
It's an adjustment. It's a change in your heart. Amen. Get willing. Get willing. I'm getting ahead of myself just a little bit, but in Psalms, what is it? Psalm 40, verse 8 or so, he he said, "In, in the volume of the book it's written of me, I delight to do thy will, O God. Amen. I learned this. I was sitting at a red light some years ago and got a real revelation. Just sitting there by myself in my car. This was probably 20-something years ago. I mean, it just dawned on me. God is smarter than I am. You might say, you didn't know that already? Yeah, if you'd asked me the day before, I'd have said, yeah. But I mean, it dawned on me. He made me. Amen. He knows what fits me better than I do. He even knows what I like better than I like. He knows I like things I don't even know I like yet. Right? He's smarter than me. And so if he, I've learned that as an act of your will, you can will to be willing. As an act of your will and as an act of your faith and as the words of your mouth. I've had times that the Lord would show me something. Keith, I want you to do this. And I'd think, mm-mm. <laughs> Mm, that's not, that's not my thing. That's not, that's not my gift, my call. That's, that's, that's not my deal. <laughs> but I've learned to, even though you might think that way, you might feel that way, you know, even telling the Lord, no, and saying things like, you know, oh, that's not my area. Oh, I would never, you know, I don't think I'd ever get into that. And the Lord said, I want you to do that. You go, yeah. <laughs> you know, now that you mention it, Lord, uh, <laughs> That is exactly what I want to do. <laughs> you can do it by faith. You look into the thing, you think, Lord, I want this. I'm, I'm going to believe you for this, and we're going to do this. And the Lord says, no, I don't want you to do that at all. And you go, right. <laughs> now that you say that, I, I, don't, I don't even like that anymore. <laughs> can you do that? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. When you get the opportunity in the church or in something the Lord's leading you to do in your life, don't take it like you're constrained to do it because you feel like you have to do it. You get in trouble if you don't do it. You'll just miss a blessing if you don't. Don't, don't do it like that. Take it of a ready mind. Take it of a willing heart. Take it like it is the honor that it truly is. Can you say amen? amen. Stand on your feet and say this out loud with me. Hallelujah. Say it out loud. I delight delight. to do your will, O God. God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Won't you lift your hands and just thank Him a little bit and get that in your heart. That if He says He likes it, I like it too. If He says He doesn't like it, I don't like it either. I will to do your will. I will to be willing. Oh Lord, let me have a ready mind and a willing heart. A fully willing, completely willing to obey you and please you. Lord, let me have a heart like this. Oh, thank Come on, just praise Him a little bit. Speak in tongues a little bit. Oh, Kelambasa, Benesha, Banoya, Banaza, Bania, Bondoska, Potira, Bedesha, Mananya, Bedisco, Palaja, Benia, Bonosa, 
beleja vo bele krushta pele braska bene vandujo mene vanda basale bele gavela brot gamashito oh father mens gore banjo min devela paso min gele banoshonte any vestige of unwillingness any remnant of unwillingness lord help us to see it and get it out and be purged from it and and it be removed from us in jesus holy name oh sekile praise you praise you praise you praise you praise you praise you hallelujah hallelujah glory to god glory to god now th- this is connected to a lot more things than you might think this is connected to your healing amen this is sometimes the door is open to problems because people have been unwilling in certain areas as soon as you get that changed then then the healing flows it's connected with your money we've already talked about that Willingness, so many different areas. So say this out loud, Lord, Lord I, will I will to be willing. To be willing. I, will I will to have a ready mind, a ready mind. And, a and a willing heart. Fully willing. Fully willing. Show, me Show me plainly what you want me to do in every area, in any area, in any area. Every situation. every situation. I will to do it. Whether I think I like it or no, I will to do your will. I delight to do your will. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.